We're talking what to do with Doug Baldwin, who are the mid-round wide receivers you should be targeting, and figuring out who is fake and who is for real on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. This is Rotoviz Radio brought to you by the FFPC. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. And we're going to figure out once and for all who the ultimate Matt in the fantasy industry is. And that's because we have a special guest, a man who goes by a number of monikers, most notably the Podfather. That's right, Friedman. We're joined by your podcast nemesis, Fantasy Mansion, Mr. Matt Kelly himself. What's going on, Matt? I'm going to grab that. I'm going to grab that right there because that was a Matt Ooh. jump ball. And I just claim superiority <laughs> on that. Well, guess what? Wano Neither Freeman. one of us get the jump ball because Matthew Barry isn't on the show. If you want to talk about who the ultimate Matt is, he has over a million followers, man. This, okay. is the, he, he, this is the apex predator in the industry. He can make or break people in fantasy football. None of us have that power. Okay. Well, just on this show, I, I claimed Matt seniority. With, oh, well, with congratulations. That. With that. Yeah. Friedman, on, on my own show, I'm the superior Friedman. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Your trophy's just, on its way. Just so you know, I'm drinking some uh, some protein right now. I'm <laughs> pumped for this, wow. this podcast. Wow. Yeah, I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Well, so we have a lot that I want to cover. So I'm going to keep this moving along, which I think with the two maths is going to be a bit of a challenge. But before we get into this, what's the show, challenge? We have the same name. It's a very common name, Dave. I think no, you can figure I'm it saying, out. S- slowing you guys down is going to be a challenge or, or, you know, keeping some form of brevity might be a challenge. I'm going to want to have this show on a rocket ship trajectory and trust me, it'll be weighted down by Matthew Friedman just fine. He will modulate, regulate <laughs> the speed of this spaceship just fine. That's He's the master. Wet blanket. Yes, he is the master at the controls. He does not let us get reach exit velocity ever. The show has already gone off the rails. Yeah, it has. Okay, but so I have a series. I was doing a rocket ship metaphor. Now you're doing trains. See, yeah. bring you Can back we agree down. Bring on a metaphor at least for the show. I think that the metaphor is going to be that we have an awesome new offering at Rotoviz to tell you about, and that is we have started a Patreon page. Uh, we really appreciate all the support that we've had from the listeners through the years. This is another opportunity to support all of the work that's going on behind the scenes at Rotoviz, putting out. 10 plus podcasts a week. We've had the tremendous RV32 series. And the thing that I'm most excited about is every Sunday, you're going to be able to join me and some of the awesome minds at RotoViz Sunday mornings around 11 o'clock to help get your teams ready for the Sunday slate of games. We're going to be talking DFS, answering all of your questions. Do you have anything on trades, anything upcoming for your teams? We're going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so, you know, again, check us out on Patreon. We're going to have links up. We're going to be uh, putting up some things on this on the site. So okay. Please all right. Go- all right. Yeah. Go to patreon.com, type in Rotoviz and contribute today. Not because of some extra show they're going to do, which is great. I'm sure their show is going to be great. 10 shows a week. These listeners have been enjoying for years, years and years, just taking and taking and taking all this free content and contributing nothing, returning zero value in return. Finally, 
finally, these free riders have an opportunity to actually balance the scales and return value for value. It is their duty to do this. And anyone that's been listening to this show for any length of time, if you appreciate this show at all, it is your duty to go on a Patreon and become a true official member of this community. And anyone that does not do it and simply opts to continue to be a free rider and let the real loyal listeners carry the show on their shoulders, those people should be ashamed of themselves. That's how you get people to contribute on Patreon, Dave. All right. Don't well, I'm, I'm... the things that you're going to deliver. They don't care. Make them yeah. feel bad. Okay. Well, I think I think they that we can achieve bad. that. They should already be on there already. You announced it on all social platforms. They already know about it. They're deleting your emails and they're ignoring your tweets. And that's shameful. Get on Patreon. Support this show. I do. I was one of the first supporters of the show. And I have my own show. Wow. that That is something right there. So clearly, if this man can go ahead and do it, what are you doing if you're at home listening to this? Maybe you're in the car. Maybe you're at work. Point is, go to Patreon and sign up. Let's move it along. All right. So what we are going to do first, uh, we're going to continue along. not even along. in charge of the show. I'm a guest. And I'm directing right. traffic. Let's go, Dave. All right. All right. We're going to go here. Um, this will be the last time that we let Manchin take over the show. Is that I think was one of these yes, the, the thought time. processes yeah, with him time. coming on last time. Again. All right. So running with this Matt theme, who is the fantasy quarterback to own this season, Matt Ryan or Matthew Stafford? Or do you even care? Matt Ryan very easily because I care about the early season schedule. Have you seen Matt Ryan's first seven weeks? Five out of the seven games are at home. And they all project to be shootouts. I mean, if I created a first seven weeks of a season for a quarterback in fiction, it wouldn't be better than what Matt Ryan is going to enjoy for the first seven weeks. Why would you draft a quarterback with a challenging schedule when you can draft a quarterback with an easy schedule to begin the year? We know that quarterback season to season productivity is not particularly sticky. Right. You have a yep. Matt Ryan 2016, very different than a Matt Ryan 2017 will be a lot different than Matt Ryan 2018. You might as well go with Matt Ryan with the number one wide receiver in Julio Jones, a bona fide number one with a soft schedule. I mean, let me read these opponents. Eagles, Panthers, Saints, Bengals, Steelers, Buccaneers, Giants, five games at home. Somehow beat that. Can you? That yeah, that's a that's a tough one to beat. So Freeman, on the other side of this, do you disagree? No, I agree. Uh, for right. those, for the reasons he mentioned, and also because I believe uh, Matt Ryan is cheaper. Um, yeah, that's true. So yeah. that that on its own is <laughs> enough. Also, he's available rounds later. I mean, it's yeah. unbelievable. So Doug Baldwin has been limited by a knee injury, and it's unclear if he'll be ready for week one. Now, apparently, he uh, has been sprinting, which is encouraging, I guess. But Baldwin is a player that I was hoping to get on as many teams as possible. But given the injury, I'm going to have to scale that back some. So what should owners be doing with Doug Baldwin? Avoiding Doug Baldwin until round five? He's hurt. We know he's hurt. This is great information to have. A lot of these receivers they don't disclose their injuries has Rashard Matthews told us what's wrong with him no they're very secretive about their injuries did anyone know that Alshon Jeffrey was playing the entire 2017 season with a torn rotator cuff no we didn't know that 
we have this information. It's very important and actionable. I'm sick and tired of drafting injured players and watching them underperform, hoping for the best, especially drafting players, even drafting wide receivers with injured quarterbacks. We saw last year with Amari Cooper trying to receive passes from an injured Derek Carr or last year, Joe Flacco had his worst season as a pro. And why? The preseason back strain absolutely contributed to that. Also, I'm having a hard time deciding who to draft in those round three, round four zones anyway. This just makes my decisions easier. It makes it easier to draft Stephon Diggs in round three and easier to draft Amari Cooper in round four. Yeah, I mean, for me, it really comes down to if there is information that you have, this is one of those key pieces that you could overlook, but I think that it's silly to go in and start, especially in such an early round with a player like Baldwin, grabbing a guy that there's a very distinct red flag to begin with when there's other options, like you said, in digs that uh, have a range of outcomes, per- perhaps even better than Baldwin. Uh, so what is Amari Cooper? Amari think- Cooper's upside is higher than Baldwin's as well. Yeah, It's different if it's Rashard Matthews and it's 11th round pick. Yep. Okay, 11th round pick, okay. I'll take a chance knowing this could be the number one for an ascending offense. Great. Happy to do it. But third round ADP, get out of here. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of going through that same frame here, we talk a lot on this show about the importance of strategy, roster construction, contingency-based approaches. I've actually heard you use the term intellectual underpinning to describe drafting with strategies like these. Despite my general apathy towards Twitter, I have seen hashtag zero strategy getting thrown around. What do you say to these people, Matt? I don't understand what that means. Does that mean draft a quarterback in round one? What what are they talking about? I I don't know what they're saying. I guess they're saying that you should go into your draft without some type of focus. Here's a strategy. Draft Matt Ryan in the final round. How about that? that Does that count? How about... about if you get Rob Gronkowski in the early third, you do it. And if you can't, you wait until the 10th round and draft Jack Doyle and then hopefully pair Jack Doyle with OJ Howard or David Njoku to maximize both the ceiling and the floor of your tight end without investing a top 10 round pick. How about that? That sounds like a, that's actually a tactic, not a strategy. But right. once you layer a bunch of tactics together with similar intellectual underpinnings you have yourself a strategy (laughs) yes so i i think that falls in line uh with where freeman and i would be on that we talked about patreon quick reminder uh everything in this site right now is in full swing have a bunch of articles coming out every day get that 30 percent listener discount before the season starts you're going to end up wanting it so now is the time to do it all right so we've played a lot of games on this show but i'm very very excited about the ones we're going to play today because i put together some fantastic drops for them so uh as the listeners know but matt may not uh freeman and i are both huge fans of seinfeld so with that in mind i've put together some seinfeld themed games so Every season, we see a couple of wide receivers being selected in the middle rounds of drafts, emerging as significant contributors and difference makers. But for whatever reason, there's more there than meets the eye, and drafters are shortchanging these players. So with that in mind, let's play a game and figure out who some of these guys are. And that game is called... I was in the pool! I was in the pool! So you you feel you were shortchanged? Yes! I mean, if she thinks that's me, she's under a complete misapprehension. It shrinks? Like a frightened turtle. 
Why does it shrink? It just does. <laughs> you guys were able to hear that, right? Yeah. All right. Great drop, so, man. Look thank at Road of his radio. Stepping up the game, putting in sitcom sounders. Love it. Yes. So I, I think the game is pretty uh pretty self-explanatory there, right? So our first one, we are gonna look at Robert Woods ADP on MFL ten of seventy two, Cooper Cup seventy six, Marquise Goodwin eighty one, and Pierre Garçon eighty two. What do you think, Matt? I think the key to winning these games is to find the slot receiver. Who's the slot receiver? And I think that the majority of top 24 wide receivers this season are going to produce a significant amount of their fantasy points out of the slot because the the whole game is becoming how do we get our slot receiver open and get eight yards out of the slot? And who was the slot receiver you mentioned? Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup, I think, is the wide receiver to own, even though they added Brandon Cooks. That was great for Cooper Cup because that depressed his ADP. The addition of of Brandon Cooks is like is like the fireworks display in the sky, distracting everyone. And and meanwhile, Cooper Cup just continues to fly under the radar. You know, he has like a little, yep. you know, like a little sounder. You know, like a little, just a little, like I don't know what you call, it, like a little gazoo, right? Like a little party gazoo at a birthday party. It's not a big fireworks display, but what is he getting? He's getting well over 100 targets, and I think he's going to continue to be the target leader. What do you? We're searching for touches and targets, touches and targets, touches and targets, and who's going to be the target leader in Los Angeles? It's going to be Cooper Cup. How could it be anyone else? Freeman, do you disagree with that? Uh, I actually totally agree, and uh, I think it's great for a couple of reasons. One, uh, it's nice to hear... Um, to hear Manchin kind of change course on this, because I remember when Cooper Cup entered the league, Manchin was very down on him and oh, his yeah. unathletic skill set. On um, Rotoviz, on Rotoviz, yeah. and John Moore, the esteemed John Moore, who you since have discredited over time, what? but your former <laughs> uh, your co-host. But we talked about it, and he loved Cooper Cup. He loved how prolific Cooper Cup was, even at Eastern Washington. And I was dismissive because of the late breakout age. And the lack of athleticism. Sure enough, as it turns out, Cooper Cup is just great at football. And it was illuminated by his special teams production at Eastern Washington, something I was dismissive of. And I'm no longer dismissive of. I was so dismissive, I called Cooper Cup the white angel of death. And now I continue to call him that, but it's a moniker of love. It's a good thing. He's the white <laughs> angel of death because he's out to kill people on Sundays. Yeah, Cooper Cup, that's right. So one, one, all, uh, yeah, just one more addition to this. One other thing about Cooper cup. Um, I think he has the potential as that kind of, he's not a big bodied slot guy the way that Marcus Colson was, but he's big enough in that he's, you know, like six feet, uh, 200 pounds. He's got pretty good agility. Uh, and again, as Kelly mentioned, super productive in college, he basically profiles as Austin Collie. And I think he has a chance to kind of fit that role within this offense, which has the potential to take a step forward. So you remember like Austin Collie's like almost like transcendent second season before he got the, uh, the, the issues with concussions. Uh, he was the number one receiver on that team, even though it had Reggie Wayne and Pierre Garcon. Like, and this was Pierre Garcon, like back when he was pretty good emerging with the Colts. But Macaulay, when he was active, was the number one receiver in terms of fantasy points scored. Uh, 
I think Cooper Cup has that potential, especially because he gets targeted in the red zone. Uh, and if that trend sticks, he could be a very underappreciated touchdown scorer. Yeah, he's a modern slot receiver. 6'1", 210 pounds. That's the modern day slot receiver in the NFL. You want your slot receivers to be 200 pounds. Taewon Taylor, another one that fits that description. I love it. Target monster. Um, so just to put some illumination on that, 23 red zone targets converted five of those into touchdowns. So that's definitely something that we like to see. He was also 13th in the league with about six yards after the catch. So moving along at 100, Devonte Parker at 103, Sterling Shepard at 105, Kenny Stills, 113, Marquise Lee. And there is a direction that I'm hoping you're going to go with here. So who are we not paying enough attention to in that grouping? Well, it's not Devontae Parker. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to happen. I mean, do you realize what would have to happen for Devontae Parker to happen? Like a lot of things that we've never seen would have to happen. If you're going to be a late breakout guy, I want you to be undrafted. I want you to be someone who's been underappreciated and never given an opportunity. All the Dolphins have been trying to do is force this breakout to happen for three years. It's not going to happen. The guy that's the number one receiver there is Kenny Stills. And so my answer should be Kenny Stills. And I want to say Kenny Stills, but there is a bona fide number one receiver on here who I think is going to outproduce the others. And I think he is the ultimate receiver that we're talking about, the receiver that George Costanza was describing. It's Marquise Lee. I mean, Marquise Lee is not exciting at all. No blood is pumping when I say Marquise Lee, right? But guess what? This team is going to have to throw the ball more. The whole reason why we're not drafting Leonard Fournette is because the game script is going to shift in Jacksonville because it has to. They were out to an inordinate huge leads in the first quarter last season. That's not going to repeat itself no matter how good the defense is. And there's no way the defense can be as dominant as it was last year. We just don't see that year to year in the NFL. So there's going to be more passing in Jacksonville less rushing, so fade Leonard Fournette, and then by extension, you want to buy inexpensive pieces of this passing game, and the number one receiver clearly is Marquise Lee. I think he's one of the mo most clear-cut number ones in the league, and yet he's available in the double-digit rounds. So if we're chasing touches and targets, regardless of the quality of the targets, then you're necessarily drafting Marquise Lee. Friedman. Any disagreement there? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. So I, I guess, yes, I massively disagree. But it's it's more on Marquise Lee. I think that guy sucks. I think he's <laughs> sucked forever. I think he looks like the number one receiver, but he is nowhere near as good as D.D. Westbrook. Like, I don't think it's even close. And I think there are enough other receivers on that team where Marquise Lee, like we're talking about a guy who is entering his fifth year and he's never had even 900 yards receiving. He's never had more than three touchdowns receiving in a season. Like I cannot get behind that type of guy as a number one wide receiver. Like his ceiling seems so low that I don't even want to think about drafting him where he's going. I would rather have someone like Kenny Stills who has like, yeah, he has these weeks where he totally sucks. But he also has weeks where he might score two touchdowns and get, you know, 120 yards. Like he has some pretty big peak moments. 
I would much rather have that than Marquise Lee. But th- this is more of an anti-Lee take than a pro stills take. I don't really like many of the players here. I just think Marquise Lee sucks horribly. Wow. Tell us how you really feel. Here's what I would say in terms of strategy. And this is super counterintuitive. When I say a best ball league, you would think, oh, Kenny Stills, right? Oh, Kenny Stills in best ball. Oh, Kenny Stills. It's Kenny Stills' profile on playerprofiler.com looks like you built a best ball receiver in a lab. You want to take advantage of the boom weeks. You're just not sure when those boom weeks are going to come, right, Friedman? A couple multi-touchdown weeks in there for Kenny Stills. We don't know which weeks. Guess what? Best ball leagues take care of it. Best ball leagues automatically set your optimal lineup. So you know Kenny Stills is going to be in your lineup and you're not guessing. But here's where I would get maximum counterintuitive on you. I would rather have Kenny Stills in a traditional league because in the best balls and MFLs and other formats on draft, it's also draft master. And if I'm in a league where I don't have access to the waiver wire and I need to lock in targets, I'm actually more likely to draft a Marquise Lee in a draft master best ball format than I am a traditional league. In a traditional league, I'm not touching Marquise Lee. I'm chasing Kenny Stills. But when I don't have access to the waiver wire for the entire season, I'm going to lock in those targets and I'm going to draft Marquise Lee. That's fair. I am just so bearish on Marquise Lee that I'm not sold he's going to get the targets. You sound emotional. I think eventually some of those targets shift over to someone who's better, like D.D. Westbrook. So moving along here, uh, we have a clear disagreement there. The Packers wide receiver core. I think it's a little bit tricky uh, to know exactly who is the guy to target after Cobber Nelson. I think it might be Geronimo Allison, but who are we missing out on in that group of players, Matt? We'll go with Matt Kay first. Nobody. We don't know. You got Jake Kumaro, Jamon Moore, Equinemius St. Brown. Take the guy <laughs> that we take the guy on the published depth chart. It's Geronimo! Allison again not exciting not sexy but if you're trying to pick the player that fits this George Costanza prototype it's Geronimo Allison he's a completely flaccid receiver <laughs> like Marquise Lee and I want that guy in a draft master best ball scenario Pack- Packers wide receivers I I mean again like I think Geronimo Allison sucks and he might be the guy who's currently slated for the number three duties but like remember Jarrett Boykin like he was a guy who at one point was a number three receiver and like that gave us nothing like James when Jones. James Jones was at least a third rounder, like who was a productive player in college or productive enough. Like Geronimo Allison did nothing in at college. San Jose state. Come on. Okay. Okay. But you could say the same thing about Devonte Adams. You know, I don't know. Like, Fresno state's a little bit different. I think there's a little bit better competition there. Yeah, but like back in the day, like th- those are basically like comparable type of programs. Like they're they're neither neither of them is a program where you're gonna be like, oh, this guy really nailed hardcore competition. It's like no, he he played against scrubs, you know. But like Boykin wasn't a productive guy as a number three receiver. Like people who haven't been productive in college who've been brought in to be the number three receiver um for the packers like i guess i'm going off of a sample of one but like it was it, it didn't work for boykin i don't see allison being a guy who was actually oh, boykin's a great allison comp but this I mean, is aaron rodgers it's the aaron rodgers offense and i 
this is the depth chart we have to work with. I have been burned too many times chasing the better athlete on a depth chart or just a player with a better overall prospect profile on a depth chart when the team is signaling to you what they're going to do. Ignoring that is, you know, cognitive dissonance at your peril. But what I will say is in these rounds, in the double digit rounds, you don't have to draft Geronimo Allison. I'm not drafting Geronimo Allison. There's a guy that we don't have listed here that I think Matt Friedman would love to talk about. And that's John Brown. John Brown's a guy that he checks all these boxes in terms of different format. I love John Brown in traditional leagues. I love John Brown in draft master. I, le- I love John Brown in every scenario. Give me John Brown because he has the high ceiling, but he also as the number two option and what has been a, a, a high volume offense, there's also a floor to John Brown, assuming he's healthy. So there's very few better late round options than John Brown this year. Okay, I'm with you there. I'm just going to say big picture. I think you've been Janist. I think that's what this is. Like, like with the power oh, yes. wide damaged. receivers. I'm damaged yeah. goods. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like I, I think you're, you're just scared to go with the, the players who are more talented. Yes. Because uh, you, you think that they're just going to get screwed the way that Janice did. That's right. Yeah. Or Corey Coleman, you know, on and on. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes. You're, you've nailed it. Pop psychology 101, Matthew Friedman, classes in session. Guys, let's just end the show right there. <laughs> that would be a strong way to go out but there's one more receiver grouping i want to talk about here so at 137 in adp tyler lockett 141 muhammad Sanu, 145 deshaun jackson and 148 paul uh, Richardson. Dave, this isn't right this is this is old this data's wrong tyler lockett's going a lot earlier than this after the Doug Baldwin injury was reported. Tyler Lockett is sometimes being drafted in the top 100 picks, and I agree with it. Talked about what we like about John Brown or the overall talent profile. You have a dominant college receiver who's now being thrust into a starting role for the first time with athleticism on his side and the ability to generate splash plays for best ball leagues. I mean, it's Tyler Lockett, baby. But I just think that it's unfair to compare him to these other receivers. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, so if Tyler Lockett is in that range, and I think he's a guy uh, of the three remaining, I'm not a fan of Sanu. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think he's going to have to split too much time with uh, Goodwin emerging. Uh, Godwin Paul Richard is the guy. Yeah, yeah. Because I said Goodwin. Because it's Godwin. God yeah. plus yeah. win. It's the best uh, name. Yeah. You have God, right? God, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you have win, which is the, the victory championship. You combine those, you have Chris Godwin. Thank yeah, you're you. You're absolutely Draft. right. I was yeah. I was the donkey there. I'm, if I'm going I'm, it, we talked about this in traditional fantasy leagues where I have access to the waiver wire. If a guy doesn't hit in the first couple weeks, you gotta draft Chris Godwin and you gotta draft Kenny Galladay. Period. End of yeah. story. Yeah. So Paul Richardson's the guy I'm going with here. I think he has a clear role. Um, and I think he's the most talented at this point in his career. Yeah, exactly. you know, I was a- All the reasons we like Tyler Lockett, just copy and paste that argument onto Paul Richardson. But Paul Richardson has something that Tyler Lockett doesn't have, and that's contract capital. Look at the big contract he signed. He was the third highest paid free agent wide receiver this offseason. No one talks about that. He's making Allen Robinson money, so they're going to feed him the ball. This is why you cannot draft Josh Doxson. 
If you're drafting Josh Doxson, it's a sucker move. It's worse than drafting Devontae Parker, and that's a horrible idea. It's the same player, except there's even more target competition in Washington than Devontae Parker is facing in Miami. So the real lesson here is stay as far away from Josh Doxson as possible. Draft Paul Richardson. So for our next game, I'm going to list two players at the same position, and we're going to find out who is fake and who is for real. And by the way, they're real and they're spectacular. (laughs) Pretty simple game here, right? So I'm going to list off two players, and you're going to give me the one who is the faker and who's for real. Some of these guys are going to be similar, but you have to choose. Okay. Devontae Adams versus Mike Evans. Kelly, go. Mike Evans is fake and Devontae Adams is for real. And I can't believe I'm saying this. If it were two years ago and I heard my future self saying this, I would vomit all over my future self. Like you would make me sick and, and I would go into my room uh, and uh, shut all the lights, the shades. No, no one would be able to see me for weeks. I, I just wouldn't. Uh, it would it would spiral me into depression if I knew I was saying this right now. But the bottom line is over the last couple of years. Devontae Adams is the most improved wide receiver in the NFL, and Mike Evans has regressed. All Mike Evans is doing year over year is playing worse and worse, and all Devontae Adams is doing is playing better and better. So we're talking about two ships in the night with opposite trajectories. Mike Evans is in the process of crashing, and now he has to compete with Chris Godwin and OJ Howard for targets, which he didn't have to previously. Meanwhile, the depth chart has been cleaned out for Devontae Adams to be a target hog, especially in the red zone. Uh, I'm going to disagree. I really like Devontae Adams, uh, and I, I think he has improved, as you said. But Mike Evans is one of only three players in NFL history with 1,000 yards in each of his first four seasons. The other two are A.J. Green and Randy Moss. Uh, Adams has been fueled by touchdowns, and touchdowns can be very fluky. Evans hasn't had good touchdown luck in a couple of his seasons. I think he's going to have uh, you know, better touchdown luck next year. Uh, can he catch more than 50% of his passes? Uh, yes, he can. We'll see. I'm going to break this tie here and dun, dun, dun. Just insert that fact that uh, Evans is going to be playing with Ryan Fitzpatrick to start the season and Jameis Winston. Adams has Rodgers. I see no reason here that you would even bring up Evans as the real player here. He, he he is so fake. He's not even really that good. We have a metric on player profile that was invented by Rich Rebar back when he was writing for XN Sports. It's called Target Premium. It looks at a player's per target output, but only compared to the other receivers in that passing game. So on a per target basis last year, Mike Evans, negative 17.8% target premium was outside the top 90 receivers that is an indictment yeah it was it was a bad year and he still had a thousand yards and five touchdowns do you think he's going to have that type of season again no i do not see him getting a thousand yards again i don't think it's gonna happen you think he's gonna he's he's gonna be under a thousand yards yeah mike evans was a volume-fueled compiler because there was literally no one else there. And then one year there was Vincent Jackson, and then he was hurt. And there was absolutely no one. Adam Humphreys was the other option. Chris Godwin looks the part. 
of a true alpha dog number one receiver in the NFL. And if I'm dropping back to pass and I have the option of throwing it to Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, all else being equal, I'm going to direct those targets to Chris Godwin. It's a better player. That's fair. If, if you and I wanted to have a bet, I would take over a thousand yards. If you were starting a franchise today, would you rather have Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? I'd rather have the guy who's had a thousand yards in four straight seasons and who's still only 25. I get it, man. I get it. He's been a, a product of circumstance, top 10 draft pick and situation. No target competition. We're going to see the real Mike Evans this year. It'll be revealed because he finally has target competition, a healthy Deshaun Jackson and an ascending Chris Godwin and an ascending OJ Howard. I don't like his chances. Okay. One more thing here. Uh, We are projecting what Godwin might be, but you are saying that what we have seen out of Mike Evans in a raw perspective for the last four years is not the real Mike Evans. Yeah, a 30% target share was number one in the NFL in 2016. 171 targets. You only receive that number of targets because there's no one else. Yeah, but that was two years ago. And his catch rate was below 60% as it always is. His target premium even that year where he put up 1,321 yards was still outside the top 30. So he's never been efficient. It's just that last year, he was neither productive nor efficient, particularly in the second half. He was exposed. And sometimes it takes years for players drafted in the top 10 to be fully exposed at the NFL level. All right. We can, I mean, we can disagree on this. He's a he's fraud. Had a, Mike Evans had is a, a better fraud career. wide receiver. He's had a better Mike career Evans is actually not point. just a he, Mike Evans is the fraud wide receiver of my lifetime. <laughs> All right, let, let's move this along. But first, I want to say the funny thing is if you bring up something that Friedman disagrees with, he just defaults by saying he wants to make a bet and he sets an over under on something like targets or touchdowns. How else would you settle something? I mean, I, the, the, the bet is a thousand yards. And if he goes over a thousand yards, Friedman, you can jump in my mentions with some very aggressive gifs. That's not my style. I'll just I'll, I, I don't need to brag when I win about stuff. Well, then no one will know about it because you and I will know. That's what matters. That, that, yeah, that is, that is what matters. The number of people on Twitter versus the people that listen to our shows, that's the thing. I, you know, one of the illuminating things for me was this notion that people listen to my show. Like, I realized, like, you know, most of the people on social media aren't listening to my show. And that was heartbreaking when I finally learned that. But we need to put it out there, man. We need to get it out there on all platforms. So we're going to take a quick break here because I want to answer a question, which is how do I gain an unfair advantage and dominate my fantasy football league? Well, the answer is you look no further than Squad QL. Download it. It's the only mobile app that you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Squad QL recommends the best starting lineup for you each week based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. You may ask, how does Squad QL actually do this? Well, the app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster and your league scoring system. SquadQL provides waiver and trade recommendations, 
Plus, the app gives you player rankings each week. It's all based on your league settings. SquadQL truly is your go-to app this fantasy football season. Head to SquadQL.com to download SquadQL. You're all in one fantasy football manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading fantasy lineup optimizer trusted by 100,000 DFS players. You can download RotoQL for free on both Apple and Android. And another brief reminder to tell you about our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. The 2018 fantasy draft season is in full swing, and the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interest and budget, whether it's best ball or super flex or classic managed leagues. There's drafts filling daily, starting at just a $35 entry fee. Jump into a slow or live draft today. I'm currently in three slow best ball drafts using the fantastic new FFPC app. And if you're ready for an even greater challenge, then check out the FFPC main event in its 11th season. The main event is the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football. Come to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your home. Play for the 250 thousand dollar grand prize, over 2.2 million in total prizes and fantasy immortality. Marcus Mariota versus Carson Wentz. Who's the faker and who's for real? Can they? Aren't they both real? I'll let you say that. What? What is this question? Well, I want you to. I mean, I yeah, thinking, we know Marcus Mariota's for real. He's only had one bad season in the last eight years. Of course, he's good. Carson Wentz. There's a chance he's not for real, but he was also one of the most prolific passers in the league last year. That's hard to do. I mean, I guess Nick Foles did it one year was a top five quarterback on a per game basis and then was exposed as not a you know, elite passer. But that's very rare, right? That was the first year of the Chip Kelly offense, surprised the league with the tempo. So I don't see that. I guess you could argue that it was the first year of the Doug Peterson offense, right? Uh, and that Nick Foles of all quarterbacks, the quarterback that was exposed, then took over and won the Super Bowl anyway. They didn't even need Carson Wentz. So if you're going to pick, I don't want Eagles fans to think that I'm saying Carson Wentz isn't for real. I mean, that's just not where I want to, that's just not how I want to live my life. But of the two, the one with a lot more question marks is Carson Wentz. Yeah, I'm going to revert to uh, my Bayesian prior. Marcus Mariota was someone I loved coming out of college, and Wentz was someone I was really down on. <laughs> and uh, Wentz has been fantastic, but if I'm going to say one of these guys is fake, it's going to be Wentz. Bam! Th- that's how you know this is a good show. When the two analysts say the guy that's more for real is Marcus Mariota, that's how you know the show is for real. All right. Kenyon Drake versus Alex Collins. Friedman Alex likes Collins is for Friedman real. likes Drake, but I think he's got to be wrong on this. So we'll oh, see if he's no, no, flip. no, no, no. Matthew Friedman loves SEC between the tackles grinders. I know Matthew Friedman better than Matthew Friedman knows himself. And knowing Matthew Friedman, he loves Alex Collins, and but he also loves Alabama players. So this is a very tricky one because he loves Alabama more than any other school, but he also loves the SEC and he loves the talent profile and basically the skill set of an Alex Collins, even though it's not that exciting, Matthew Friedman has an irrational affinity for that particular skill set. But if we're just talking about who's for real and who's not for real, it's Alex Collins. The sample size is bigger and 
he he was even more efficient than Kenyon Drake with a bigger sample size. So give me Alex Collins. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, I do have to go with Alex Collins, and it is for all of those reasons that Matt Kelly said he knows me too well. Those those big bodied. I don't even care if they're not athletic because look at yeah. Mark Ingram, right? <laughs> those those big bodied super producers from the SEC. I love those guys all the time. Kenyon Drake was fantastic in his limited uh, his limited sample to close the season, but he he didn't do much in college. There's the possibility that they might not give him the run that we would expect them to give him this year. Uh, Collins, I think, because he's never actually been good outside like three games, one of them against the Patriots at the end of the season. Yeah. You know, it's it's possible. So, yeah, if I had to choose between these two, I would say Collins is real because he's done it at college. And then now he's done it in the NFL for at least half a season. Here's the thing you didn't say, which we need to add. Mark Ingram developed into a pass catcher at the NFL level. Don't be surprised when Alex Collins catches 40 passes this year as well. I'm I'm going to be surprised if that does happen. Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is more real. Patrick Mahomes has a as a lesser skill set, but when you zoom out and you look at the full picture, you look at you know when he broke out, the fact that he marginalized Baker Mayfield at Texas Tech. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterback prospects we've seen in years. If Patrick Mahomes were in this draft class, he should have been drafted over Baker Mayfield. And he certainly, he should have been the first quarterback selected last year. The fact that he wasn't was absurd. So I don't understand why all along it hasn't been all about Patrick Mahomes in during the pre-draft process, NFL draft media, NFL media. There should have been this groundswell of support and enthusiasm for Patrick Mahomes all along. I mean, he was by far and away the most prolific college quarterback the last few seasons, was also efficient in the process, has mobility, has incredible arm strength. I mean, he literally has every trait the film grinders love. He has, he checks all the boxes the metrics guys love. I don't understand why there hasn't been more enthusiasm in the last two years for Patrick Mahomes. But finally, because he's tethered to a skill set match in Tyreek Hill and also Sammy Watkins. So he has the Alex Smith supporting cast. Now, finally, fantasy gamers are appreciating him, but he's still affordable in seasonal league drafts. And if you're going to chase upside at the quarterback position and you don't feel like waiting and drafting Matt Ryan, you draft Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm going to differ here. Deshaun Watson was much more productive in college than Mahomes was. Like, not even close. Just in terms of his total skill set. The thing is, he doesn't have yeah, the cannon in terms arm. Of total, because he was a starter for longer. But when, in terms of yards per game, are you kidding me? Patrick Mahomes is like a 600 game, uh, 600 yard game on his resume. A little bit I mean, different than because. About? I think Watson's teams were were not in situations where they were going to have to accumulate as much yardage because they were ahead more often. I mean, you can't say you can't like no one was as prolific as Case Keenum, right? So I mean, th- he's right there with I mean, Patrick Mahomes on a per game basis is right there historically with the top quarterbacks ever. But yeah, if you want to aggregate total yards in their college career, okay. Well, I'm not I'm not saying total yards. I'm just like, I'm, I'm saying no, wait, 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 that he was playing Alabama, in the national championship game. Okay. Texas tech didn't have a great defense. I mean, what are you, what are you talking about? 
I think if you look at the total skill set, like Watson was much better as a runner than Mahomes was. Like it's not even close. Right. And he was and? good enough. He was good enough as a passer. I think he gets knocked because he doesn't have the rocket arm that Mahomes does. But he's shown in high school, in college, and granted small sample, but he at least he showed in that small sample that despite having a weak arm, he still has the ability to do whatever he needs to do as a passer. That's right. He has the ability to throw interceptable passes and to watch opposing defensive backs drop them. That's an ability that Deshaun Watson has. 13 interceptable passes last season, 14 danger plays, and yet only eight total interceptions. So what happens when that, when that reverts and the interceptable passes start to get intercepted? Then the team is not as efficient. The offense isn't moving the ball as, as efficiently down the field, and there's not as many red zone attempts. And suddenly there are question marks about uh, Deshaun Watson's Ability to take care of the football. It, th- this is what they besmirch Patrick Mahomes with. The fact that he's reckless. I would argue that Deshaun Watson's more reckless than Patrick Mahomes. That's based off of a sample of six games. Like, look at you the larger sample. You can't have it sample. both ways. You what can't tout his incredible fantasy season in a limited sample and then say, oh, no, no, no you, you can't look at the interceptable passes. That, that was a small sample. The thing is, like, you're you're just projecting what Mahomes might do. And you're not, it's like, you're not even like discounting the fact that he hasn't done anything yet in the NFL. Did you see that preseason strike to Tyreek Hill? Yeah, it was amazing, but it was amazing. How many long touchdowns did Watson Watson have in actual, sure he can't, but that doesn't matter. He still had lots of long touchdowns last year. Like if you stack up what these two guys have done, Easily the guy who is real is Watson because You're he's falling into it, a small sample he's, trap. He's and Deshaun Watson's NFL ADP games. is a lot higher. Deshaun Watson, there's a lot more assumed ability baked in to his ADP. So you're this is a losing game by touting the much more expensive player with, with also with a small skill set. With a basically coming out of college, Patrick Mahomes was the more impressive prospect. And now Deshaun Watson is being drafted rounds earlier, even though I believe they're still the same players. Yeah, but this so isn't, this isn't like a price based, Watson. This isn't a price based argument. It's not which would you rather have at their draft prices. It's which is real and which is fake. Yeah, like it is. if I had, it to, if I had part to take of, the, part of the, I think we're going to get into a philosophical discussion of what is reality. Like what is real? Well, real is, 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 is Deshaun Watson's perception now real or fake and what i'm saying is more about deshaun watson's perception now is fake and driven by random chance that will not repeat itself this season than patrick mahomes what i'm saying and then if i'm starting a franchise today i'll go a step further just like with the chris godwin mike evans comparison if i'm starting a franchise today i want patrick mahomes as my quarterback not deshaun watson sure what i'm saying is i don't care what the public perception is just my perception of these two. If I had to have a quarterback, I would probably. Well, let me let me rephrase whoa, this. Whoa, whoa, whoa! So if if I had if oh. I had to take one to be a franchise quarterback, I might take Mahomes. But the yes! only reason, oh, no, that's but it. no, 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 that's no, no, Dave, move that's, on, that's Dave. Actually, we're moving that's, on. That's not it. <laughs> that's the, it, the Dave. Only, but the, the question isn't who. Is there like a correct answer bell that you can ring? No. So the the question isn't. Who would you take to start a franchise with? 
Like I would take the quarterback who hasn't had the torn ACL. Like I, I think that is maybe. I don't apparent. know what you're saying. Every which way you try to measure for real versus fake, it's Patrick Mahomes. What are you saying? I'm saying that the guy who is super productive in high school, super productive in college, and has actually played NFL games, that guy is more real than the guy who hasn't played any NFL games. That's what I'm saying. Can I interject? So one you'd rather here, have though? Deshaun Watson if you were starting a franchise today? If I had to, maybe, but the ACL does scare me. Here so go. here's a question here for you, go. though, Friedman. Dalvin Cook, right? We've seen him in NFL games. Went yeah. down last season. So are you saying that he's for, more for real than, than Saquon Barkley? Uh, no. I think the, the mm-hmm. difference is that Mahomes had – like Mahomes has been an NFL player, but he didn't play. Mm-hmm. But there's he also – six- He played in week 17. He played week 17 in a meaningless game. Like it, it, it that, like that doesn't really count. Like he looked decent in it, but I'm not going to prioritize that over the six games we saw Every out of Watson. Every game Mike Evans has ever played has been meaningless. <laughs> all right, moving along. We're going to get to tight ends here. We have not talked much at all about tight ends. So OJ Howard versus David Njoku. Let's just move on. Njoku, move on. Njoku. Njoku okay. is... Wow. I mean, he's as close as we're going to get to the perfect tight end. Like if you had to make a tight end in the lab, we have a particle acceleration chamber and we combine all the traits of all the tight ends we love out would step David Njoku in particular that Travis Kelsey yards after the catch. The fact that David Njoku once posted over 10 yards after the catch per reception at Miami, that is the shock factor stat of my lifetime. I've never, I've, I'm, not lying. This is not, I'm not exaggerating. I've never been more shocked and floored by a stat than the David and Joku yards after the catch per reception at Miami. What he is going to do to this league is going to be fun to watch. And Absolutely. OJ Howard's very good. And he's going to be great the way Greg Olson's great. The way Greg Olson is, 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 is watching fine you know a a refined well-oiled machine go to work and always produce consistently like that's impressive in and of itself but the flash the wow factor that's david njoku and that's what i want because that that guy has tight end one potential in the next couple years I was hoping we could get a disagreement there because uh, I know that you're very, uh, very much in support of Njoku, but that did not uh, come to fruition. There are a few things better than finding that diamond in the rough, drafting that late round player that crushes his ADP and is on a ton of winning rosters. With that in mind, let's mine for some players that could be these guys in 2018 and... Are you crazy? Okay, so Matt, for the first name, can you give us a player whose athletic profile far exceeds what uh, most people would expect and use it to become a household name this season? Taewon Taylor. Taewon Taylor is not viewed. Well, here's the problem, right? Is that there? the preseason is challenging for me, especially when my players, the players we've been touting most vigorously, are 
excelling in preseason and exceeding expectations, and they're the ones delivering the splash plays, then suddenly everyone comes to Jesus on this player and realizes, oh, wait, Taewon Taylor is actually a lot more athletic than I thought. He just took a screen pass 50 yards. But this is what I've been saying. I mean, Taewon Taylor has an exceptional athletic profile as well as a production profile back at Western Kentucky. I mean, he's above the 60th percentile in all the key workout metrics, including a 1078, 92nd percentile agility score. He's comparable to Doug Baldwin, but he's more athletic than Doug Baldwin. I mean, Taewon Taylor is Doug Baldwin plus. Because look at that yards per reception at Western Kentucky. Two straight seasons, over 17 yards per reception. So there's really... He's a guy that can win in the slot, can win close to the line of scrimmage. He can take a screenplay 50 yards, or he can win down the field on double moves. I mean, he's a lot more versatile because he's more athletic than I think the casual fantasy gamer or sports fan understands. All right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, the guy I would go with is Royce Freeman, uh, who I think people kind of think of as like a big lumbering guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but he's got actually pretty good speed for someone who's almost 230 pounds and also pretty good agility too. And then one thing that people don't really appreciate it, appreciate is that he was a better receiver at Oregon than he gets credit for. He actually has three down back potential. Uh, and people are looking at Devonte Booker as someone who must get action uh, as the receiving back. But that's not something that necessarily has to happen. Freeman actually could be the guy who gets all of that work, all of it. And we're talking about a true bell cow at the NFL level, a guy that has a 90% opportunity share in his range of outcomes. Can I name you some of the receivers with a 1106 agility score receivers that we all view as super quick? Yeah, there's a lot of them. And Royce Freeman posted that agility score at six foot, 229 pounds guys with exceptional Size-adjusted agility over the years, Steven Jackson, Le'Veon Bell. It's one of the best indicators of future production, size-adjusted agility, and size-adjusted speed. So the fact that Royce Freeman is in the 86th percentile speed score and that his agility score, without even size-adjusting it, is above the 80th percentile, for running backs that in and of itself is incredibly exciting before we even talk about the fact that he's the most prolific runner in this rookie running back class it's not saquon barkley it's not darius geis it's not rashad penny the most productive running back in this class is royce freeman that's why he's being underdrafted and he is one of the signature mid-round running backs that can win your league wow looks ahead and answers the upcoming question i love it We're going to get into our final segment here, and uh, this is what I've been looking most forward to. So for our final game, we're going to pit uh, Matt and Matt against each other in a little game of fantasy trivia. They had no way of preparing for this, and we're going to find out who the Matt to rule them all is. All right, guys. So the way that this game is going to work is I am going to read off a question uh, if you want to answer, you know, just uh, get my attention. I don't know. What, what should the system be for this? What the hell is going on, Dave? <laughs> the, so, so what's, ha- what's going to happen is, so is just, Matt's just, just a, little dis- a little disclaimer for everyone listening. 
uh, Kelly and I did our normal preparation, which means that I doubt either one of us looked this far into the show sheet. So I don't think either one of us actually knew this game was coming. Except no. that whole thing where I answered two questions in one five minutes ago with Royce Freeman. Sure, but I'm saying this section of um, of Jeopardy. So he's going to ask the question, and neither of us is going to answer it. Oh, that's no, right. Yeah, no, no. I'm sure I'm going to be very confused. No, no, no. You're going to answer it because they're simple. They're they're simple, simple things. This requires okay. no preparation. Okay. So this is what we're going to do. So when Friedman wants to answer, he's going to say Friedman. You'll say Mansion, Matt. Uh, when you want to answer, if you get a correct answer, you get awarded five points. If you get the answer wrong, you get negative three. If you get the answer wrong, the other person can answer, and they will get three points. I think that I think that two men uh, with the intelligence that you two possess should be able to follow that. Followed. Got it. Okay. All right. So, since 2012, only three wide receivers have averaged seven touchdowns per target on 50 or more targets. Name me one of those three players. Antonio Brown. Ooh, that is incorrect. So, Friedman, that is going to be a negative three for you. You can steal if you want, Mansion. Is this a wide receiver or can you do tight ends? Nope, got to be a wide receiver. I am going to say, God, I'm really bad at this. Uh, Will Fuller. That is correct. That's a great guess. Is Tyreek Hill another one? Tyreek Hill is not. So it's James Jones in 2012 and Doug Baldwin in 2015. Will Fuller was so good. That was a great guess. All right. Thank touch. you. Thank you. That was, that was, I'm touched. That was genuine. Thank you, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. All right. Touchdown passes since 2013. There are four players that have, uh, or th- there's four leaders in this. The top three are obvious. Drew Brees with 184, Aaron Rodgers with 165, Tom Brady with 156. Who ranks fourth since 2013? Most touchdown passes. Any takers? I'm waiting for Kelly to uh, to go and miss. Is it per game or is it total? Total. Total. That's important. Oh, God. Um, I am just... I'm going to go like a chalky, uh, stupid, just I can't think of an answer. I'm just going to say Matt Ryan. Uh, that is incorrect. I'm going to go with... Um, Actually, what happens if I don't get it right? If you don't get it right, um, then you lose. Uh, you will also lose three points. Oh, I will also lose three points. See, yep. it, I was going to say Roethlisberger, but it can't be because he, he has all these these seasons without uh, enough games. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm not going to go. Wow. It's Phil I'm, Rivers I'm, with 151. He was my other guest. God damn it. Damn it. <sighs> God, I was deciding between those two because they. they what you have yeah. to go with, Matt, is quarterbacks we know that have played since then right. that play all 16 games, and it was yeah. between Rivers and Matt Ryan. <laughs> Only five running backs went for uh, 25 or more uh, points more than four times last year. So you had Gurley, Bell, Kamara, and Hunt. Who was the fourth player? Wait, can you say that? I can need you to say that one more time? Yeah, that was tough. Only okay. four running backs 
went for 25 or more points four times last season. Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt did it. So I'm sorry, there were five. Who was the fifth guy? So he basically had four games in which he went for 25 or more points. Ezekiel Elliott. Mm, wrong. Can, can you list those one more time? Todd Todd Gurley, yeah. Le'Veon Bell, Alvin Kamara, uh, Alvin Kareem, Kamara Hunt. Kareem Hunt. I know, I know the answer now. Damn it. Uh, you, have, uh, you have five seconds. Five, four, mm, winners. Alabama, Alabama, Alabama. Two, one. Mm. All right, it was Lashawn McCoy actually. Oh, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, Mark, Mark Ingram was going to be my next guess. Would have been a decent guess, but yeah, it was McCoy. All right. So I thought current, I thought it was like a, I thought it was a trick question when I would because Elliot, but then it wasn't. Gotcha. Um, so right now it's negative three for Friedman and Mansion is at negative three. So we're in a tie ball game. So on a, <laughs> we're tied at negative three. That is so good. I thought I got one right, man. I should get extra yeah, credit you, for that. Well, that's these are hard questions, man. Yeah, they are. They are. On a per game basis, which wide receiver has averaged the best weekly rank out of the five? You have Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones. I'm even going to throw in Calvin Johnson. So this is spanning back to 2012. Best per game weekly rank. Odell Beckham. Yeah, uh, that's right. Who? Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now, I want this to the first decimal place. What time? We're talking 40 times here. That makes sense. So I want this to the first decimal place. What time did Jets wide receiver Robbie Anderson run the 40-yard dash in? 4.39. What'd you say, Friedman? 4.38. Uh, unfortunately, it was 4.41. Kelly said 4. Uh, or 39. I put, yep. So yep, he's going to yep. be closer. So No. Yes. No. And actually, Friedman, you're going to be lucky there because you said them so closely. I think you started before. I'm not going to subtract the three points. All right. I, I started before. You can subtract the three points, but uh, I'm doing right. that one under protest. Okay. I'm telling you, I'm going to be able to find somewhere on the internet where it says 4.38. Well, you know well, where the, I, yeah, the, yeah, you know where I sourced a, the stats? Uh, yeah, he ran at the – that wasn't at the combine though. Yeah, this well, is pro day. His pro day was a 4.4 four, – his pro day was like a 4.36. I'm, I'm going off a of player profiler here. Yeah, but that's not his actual forty time. That was a we we adjust his pro day plus five, uh, five one hundredths of a second. Oh, okay, all right. So if, if Friedman's actually more right, you think he's more he right? Ran a four uh, three six, I believe, but we adjust it so that it's on par with people that attended the combine. So okay. I guess technically, it's probably Friedman gets that. Wow. All right. Since then, since he said it first, then you won't get docked to the points. I think that's how that's going to work. Okay. Matt Ozzy Otto, who runs a miserable 4.840 when undrafted out of what school? Utah State. That is wrong. It's what is it, Matt? I, I, I could look it up. I'm not going to. I don't do know. It. So it's actually just Utah. Damn it! Yeah, <laughs> so good. <laughs> I, no uh, way! I'm I'm not taking negative on that. Gosh. Right. Yep. All right. Bonus of three points if you can get this within fifteen. Um. So that's going to be like the second part. So, so I since, should have just passed after I got the first one right. More or less. Yeah. All right. 
So since 2013, which tight end recorded the highest season-long point total? And if you can give me within 15 points uh, what that total was, you're going to get a bonus of three points. Can you say the year again? Uh, since 2013. Don't look it up. Gronkowski. You're wrong. Jordan Reed. You're both wrong. It's Jimmy Graham in 2013 with 303 points. He also happened to have 16 touchdowns that season. Great job, Jimmy. Friedman can't believe it. Look at that. He's he's perplexed. In the last three seasons, which running back owns the highest rushing share of his team's offense? In, in, in like a particular season. So basically, who has had the highest rushing share of a team's offense uh, since 2015? LaShawn McCoy. Maybe I'm bad. That was a horrible guess. Ooh. That was a great guess. Yep. And Manchin's right. So he gets the five. Yeah. Freeman loses the three. Or actually, no, would... technically, you went first, so he gets three. All right, guys. This yeah, is I the... want to let Freeman go first so he could get it wrong, then I could get it right, and that'd be a six-point swing. <sighs> right, yeah. There's definitely some strategy to that. So last three seasons, the quarterback not named Cam Newton that has the most rushing touchdowns, and a bonus if you can name the third option, but you must identify them in order if you're going to go that far and say both of them. Terod Taylor. Boom. All right. You got the first. You want to go for the, the bonus points? No. All right. Well, do I miss anything if I go for the bonus? The bonus? No. Um. Yeah, actually, you do. You will be. You will lose one point if you go for the bonus. Okay. You know, make an okay, observation you know, no, here, 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 here. You know here. that we've spent more time on talking about rules than actually answering questions. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go uh, Russell Wilson. Oh, nope. Manchin, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the option to get this one point here if, if you if you want to risk it. Marcus Mariota. That is also incorrect. It's actually of all people, Kirk Cousins, who has seven in the last three seasons. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so if we tally this up, Freeman ends with a score of positive two. Manchin ends with a score of negative four. So the winner is Matt Friedman. Suck it. Suck it, <laughs> Kelly. Matt's I think the already. listeners are sucking it right now. I think they are. <laughs> we are the only people listening to the show at this point. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. I actually think it's going to be pretty popular, that segment. People are going to like it. I'm telling you. All right. So no. be, be no. I, th- I thought I did better than a negative score. Well, I thought so too. I thought I thought you were beating me until the the very. I, know, end. I thought I thought I was doing fine. No, 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 you weren't. Clearly, um. All right, so before we close this down, any any closing thoughts from either of you? This is an opportunity just to have the floor and run with it. Let's never play this game again. <laughs> Let's end the show as soon as possible. Okay. All right. So on that note, that is going to do it for today's episode. Once again, I'm Dave Cabin. You can follow me on Twitter at Dave Cabin FF. My co-host was Matthew Friedman, who you can follow at Matt F the Oracle. And our guest was the creator of Player Profiler. Matt Kelly, who you can find on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Uh, also, nobody has called in yet with uh, their strategy related questions. We're trying to give away a free entry into a league at the FFPC. So call in with your strategy related questions to 978-925-7628 and ask away with your strategy questions. And uh, this has been Rotoviz Radio. Please subscribe and support to the, the show on Patreon. 
took the words right out of my mouth. So God, people. <laughs> All right. That's right. Go to Patreon. You think these shows produce themselves? They don't. They don't. I can tell you that. So tune in next week. And remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Thank you for listening to RotoViz Radio. Please rate, review, and contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at RotoViz Radio and support the pod by subscribing to RotoViz at a 30% discount through the listener homepage at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs> <laughs>